0: Well, I'm glad to be back this week with you, and uh, this is like the sixth Sunday, the Lord's Day, where we're meeting here in the front entrance of the building, and uh, many people are out in cars, or maybe they're home watching through YouTube, as maybe you are. But uh, you know what? We've teased about the uh, COVID-19 haircuts, and I wonder how yours is looking there at the house. Here's my thing. I think some of you guys are bootlegging haircuts. I don't know where you're going, but you're looking awfully good. And that's got me concerned. Hey, listen, we all believe in something. And uh, hashtag, we believe that Jesus is God's Son. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, uh, uh, as Southerners, they, they say that Southerners love boiled peanuts. I know I do. Uh, They say that Southerners love sweet tea. In fact, in the South, some say that sweet tea is only one word. We love sweet tea so much. And then uh, we love apple pie. Uh, We love mom. And I think back in the 70s and 80s, uh, the Walton TV show was popular. And uh, there is the picture on the screen of uh, Mrs. Walton. We owe a great debt in our homes to our mothers, don't we? And uh, what would we add to uh, we like? We like NASCAR. We, we like Southern hospitality. Well, I, I want to drive home the point today that we love Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to spend my time, short time this morning with you, that we say the good confession. What is the good confession? Well, that's where we uh, usually repeat at our baptism. Uh, a preacher might be getting ready to immerse us into Jesus. And we will say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that confession has blessed us and drawn us together. Uh, As long as God allows us to have breath in our lungs and our tongue will move, we want to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Now, is it possible that we really haven't confessed that since our baptism And we need to go back to the waters and get our confession and come back and confess. Christians have been confessing this for 2,000 years. We have been confessing all over the world that Jesus is the Christ. That is our motto. That is our mantra, our catchphrase, our slogan. That is our hashtag that We love Jesus Christ, and He is the Son of God. So what are we saying when we make that confession? I want to turn in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, and verses 27 through 29 and read there. Jesus went out along with His disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, He questioned His disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? And they told Him, saying, John the Baptist and others Elijah, and others one of the prophets, and he continued by questioning them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. I believe, is the first part I want to look at this morning. When I was a youth uh, minister in uh, Covington, Virginia, I stopped by the Honda motorcycle dealership, and it was out on the, uh, the parking lot that uh, the owner of the store came out and talked with me, and he made a statement that took me back, and he said, uh, you're a Christian because you don't know any better. Well, that's enough to get your goad, isn't it? Y- he, and he could tell by the expression on my eyes that I wasn't understanding or appreciating what he was saying, and so he reworded it. He said, no, wait a minute, let me explain. He said, you're a Christian because you don't know anything better. All right, now that, that's getting a little bit closer. I'm beginning to touch base with him. Then he said... You're a Christian because there is nothing better than Jesus Christ. Amen. That's how I feel about it. Jesus is the most extraordinary man that's ever lived. You know, in in that slide on the screen, his his teachings, his miracles, uh, his love, his death on the cross for our sins makes him the most extraordinary man uh, that's ever lived. But that he was God and man at the same time. God, man, the Son of God, and when you and I say that we believe, uh, it is based upon the eyewitness testimony of those that walked with Him. That's what's in our New Testament. That's what's in, in our Bible. And I want to turn to a text in Second uh, Peter chapter one and and verse uh, sixteen, where it, it, it says, "For we did not follow cleverly devised tales." or that stories or myths, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. And then in, uh, John wrote in his gospel in chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name, that you may know these things are written, that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Now, this faith is based upon the credible, believable, testimony of eyewitnesses. John wrote it this way in First John, not the gospel, but in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, he said, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now, that word of life is an expression, another way of saying Jesus. And so, concerning Jesus, concerning the word of life, and to believe means to surrender to Jesus Christ. If you say you believe in God, that means that you have surrendered to Him. We're not trying to make an assent that we believe He exists. When we say, I believe in Jesus, it means I follow Him. That's what it means. We put our our hands into the life of a doctor. Deb and I came to town, we chose a doctor. We put our life into the hands of that person. Uh, we uh, also put our children into the hands of a sitter, a babysitter. And this cracks me up. This is so funny because, you know, when that first child comes along and you're looking for a babysitter, I mean, it's like you've got to have a background check. You've got to ha- have references. And then when the second child comes along, well, all you need is a couple of good references. And when the third child comes along, you're pretty much walking out the door as the babysitter's walking in. And you say, look, the phone number's on the refrigerator. If anybody's bleeding, give me a call. Other than that, leave us alone. Isn't that funny how things work out that way? But listen, we put our money into the hands of a financial advisor. We have faith in many things in life. We do the best we can but when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you're doing the best He can. And He is the God-man, Jesus Christ. When we say that we believe, we are saying that I trust and I believe, I surrender my will. It's God's will is reaching down to us. We surrender our will and we mesh our life into His will for our life. And so I believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of the living God, and I give him my time and my possessions and my abilities and my life, my destiny. It all belongs to him. He is the creator of the earth and everything in it, and he is my creator. He, and he is my recreator, my new life creator. He's Jesus. But now, secondly, we come to that Jesus is the Christ, In Mark's gospel, again, I want to read those words once more. 27 through 29, Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist, or Elijah, or one of the prophets. And he continued by questioning them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Now, Matthew's gospel in chapter 16 and verse 16, he adds the words. It's not that Matthew added the words. It's just that he brought up the words that Jesus spoke that day, the Son of the living God. That's the most popular confession, and that's the one that we quote. And so what it's saying is they saw, they uh, listened, they touched, they walked, they witnessed, and they believed And we believe their testimony of what they saw. Notice that where they are. They're in Caesarea Philippi. That's the northern part of Israel. Uh, That is the capital Roman headquarters. Caesarea Philippi, if you break the words down, it's uh, Caesar, Philip. And it's a Gentile area. It's a melting pot of pagan idol worship. They had a red light district in the area. And so when Jesus brought the disciples there, man, they, they, they could have thought, man, we're going to be stabbed, beat up by a gang. This is the bad section of town. Aren't there some good Jewish neighborhoods we can go to? But it was against that backdrop that these false gods that Jesus is asking his disciples With all the backdrop of those false gods, who do men say Jesus is? Who do men say I am? He's asking, and then he asks, what about you? Who do you say I am? Then uh, the apostle Peter spoke up. Now, you know there's a lot of people in life that have the answer. They're just humble, they're bashful, they're shy, and they're not going to speak up. And then others in life, you flip that coin over, others in life, they really don't know the answer, but what comes up comes out. (laughs) And they're going to just rattle on and be talking and get their foot caught in their mouth. Nevertheless, Peter, he speaks up, but he's right. He's right. He said, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. That's good stuff, isn't it, people? I, I need to show you something here, though. At Caesarea Philippi, there was a huge cave. In Jesus' day, that cave was 100 feet deep. Through an earthquake and just filling stuff in, it's about 400 feet today. But here, here's why I bring it up. To the pagan mind, uh, that cave was the gateway to the nether world. It was the gateway to Hades. Uh, That area around that cave was infested with idol worship. Uh, I want you to think of the uh, state fair or the county fair and how the vendors line up to get you to buy a chicken on a stick or an ice cream cone or a sundae, some barbecue. And that's what's going on here outside the entrance of that cave because there's religious prostitution going on, there's bestiality, there's animal sacrifices. Uh, There are some groups that would burn their babies and throw them in the cave, uh, uh, thinking that literally this was the entrance to the netherworld, Hades. Now, is it possible that while Jesus and the disciples were in that area preaching that they went to that cave and they were preaching to the crowds there? Uh, we don't know. We don't know. But with that background, with that kind of evil that is present at Caesarea Philippi, it's Peter's words that we're interested in today. You're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. Blessed are you, Peter, Jesus says. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And on this rock, the statement that Peter made that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, I build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. or The the gates of Hades will not overpower or overcome my church. The teaching of paganism cannot triumph over the church. Now, Church, who do we say that Jesus is? I'm not asking for you to get theologically deep. I'm just asking us to say, can you share your story? That's That's all we need. You don't need a Bible college degree. You don't need to be a lawyer. You don't need to be an apologist. You don't need a doctorate degree. All you need to do is share what happened to you. Share what happened to you. You know, folks can argue about God. They can argue about the Bible. They can argue about religion. But it's kind of hard to re- argue about y- your story and what you want to share out of your heart. What happened to you? Who do you say that Jesus is? He's the Lord's anointed. Jesus is the Christ. Now, Christ is Greek and, and Messiah is Hebrew. They're the, they're the same uh, word. It, it means the Lord's anointed one. It, it means that which the Jewish nation waited on with a, a hopeful expectation that one day God was going to send the Messiah to get rid of the mess. Well, the mess they thought they had was the Romans who had taken over the land and they paid taxes to Caesar. They paid tribute to Caesar but there's another mess going on, and that's the mess that they got themselves into, and you and, and uh, me, I, I get myself into, and it's called sin, and it's where we didn't do such a hot job with this life, uh, and so we give it back to God, and He forgives it when we come under the name of His Son, the Messiah. You know, they anointed three peoples in the Old Testament. That was prophets, priest and kings. Well, uh, for the prophet, uh, God said He promised uh, Moses, uh, "I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put words in his mouth." And that was Jesus. The Hebrew writer in chapter four fourteen explicitly told us, "Therefore, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God." Hold fast our confession. And then Matthew 27, 37, when Jesus hung on the cross, Pilate had put those famous words up above, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. It's amazing what people think about Bible. Amazing what people think, especially children. They can get it wrong. We all can get it wrong, can't we? But there was one little girl whose parents had split up and her dad had moved out of state and and she uh, went to go visit dad, and while she uh, was there, she visited his new church, and boy, she, uh, grandma had called her, and she was talking to grandma, and she said, you're not going to believe this. There was a baby dedication parade, and the children's game room, the, the church has a children's game room, and there's a swimming pool where they hypnotize people, and, and grandma said, No, you mean there's a swimming pool where they baptize people? She said, no, grandmother. She said, where they hypnotize people. Well, I can promise you, I don't know what that congregation uh, was, but there's nobody hypnotizing people at church. Uh, They are baptizing them uh, by immersion in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just share your story. Then third today, He's the Son of the living God. Now that comes out of Matthew 16, 16. But I want to share with you, uh, out of uh, John's Gospel, uh, chapter uh, 8 and verses 56 through 59. 56 through 59. Jesus is the Son of the living God. Here it says... Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, this, uh, this 56 through 59, where he says, I am, refers back to the very name of Jehovah. And that story comes uh, to us from uh, Moses in the book of Exodus, chapter 3, in verses 14 and 15, when Moses was to go before the Hebrew children in the land of Goshen in Egypt, and he was nervous. He was frightened by that, and he said, well, well God, who am I supposed to say sent me to them, and he told them. He said, I am has sent me to you. I am that I am to all generations. This is my name forever. This is my memorial name forever to all generations. If God had a business card, that might just be on it. I am from generation to generation You know, uh, when Jesus said, I am, in that text in John, he was claiming the very name of God. And they knew it because they picked up stones to stone him with. You know, back about 15 years ago, maybe it was 20, but Dan Brown had put out a book and then it came out into a movie, The Da Vinci Code, and uh, in that, Brown attacked uh, several key doctrines of the church. One was the deity of Christ. He attacked the reliability of the gospels and he attacked the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Now, in his book, he makes you believe that the council of Nicaea adopted the deity of Christ by close vote. In other words, they made up the deity of Christ. But I'm going to ask you, You might ask me, well, if it was a close vote, what was the vote? Well, I'm glad you asked. Two people. Two people out of 318 said, no, Jesus is not divine. 316 said that Jesus was the divine Son of God. No wonder Dan Brown's book is found in the fiction section of the bookstore or library. Listen, the Council of Nicaea did not invent the deity of Jesus. His uh, deity uh, was the unanimous consensus of the apostles from the very beginning uh, before there ever was a Council of Nicaea. Jesus Christ was, is, and always will be the eternal Son of God when he came to earth he was God incarnate. That is the enfleshment of life. We don't need Dan Brown telling us that he wasn't. And listen, we don't need a council in Nicaea telling us he was. We have the authority of the word of God, the eyewitness testimony of the apostles who walked with him, watched his miracles, watched him raise the dead, and they said he is the Son of God. Now, Jesus assumed human form in such a way that he was both fully God and fully man. Now, at Christmas time, we sing uh, Christmas hymns, and uh, Hark the Herald Angels sings. The, the second stanza says Offspring of the virgin womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased with man, with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. And then there's another one. Oh, come all ye faithful. And that's my favorite. It says, word of the Father now in flesh appearing. The incarnation of Christ is the central fact of the Christian faith. That he was God-man. He's God-man. And because the incarnation united God with humanity, Jesus was able to bear our sins on the cross of Calvary uh, as an act to reconcile our lives before God. Let me read from Peter's writings, 1 Peter chapter 2 and 24, where Peter wrote, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you are healed. Apologist Josh McDowell in his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, Uh, Clark Pinnock in his book, Set Forth Your Case, and then Barry McCarty in his booklet, The Fundamental Fact, they all ask the question, who does Jesus claim to be? A great moral teacher? A religious leader? A philosopher? Or just another prophet? McCarty says, that is not an option that Jesus left up to us. The New Testament clearly records Jesus' claim from His own lips. Jesus referred to Himself as the Son of God. In John 5 25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now here is now here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those will live. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. As Jesus is walking through Solomon's colonnade in the temple, the Jews confront him and said, Tell us plainly, are you the Christ? Well, they got a little bit more than they bargained for. In John 10, verses 30 through 33, he said, I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father for which of them are you stoning me? And the Jews answered him, for a good work? We're not stoning you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Wow. The Jews heard him very plain that day. Don't ever say Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God. The people of Jesus' day understood exactly what he was saying, and he admitted the equivalent of, I am the Son of God. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning, why does he blaspheme? Well, they're finally right. Now, another thing is, not only did Jesus claim to be the Son of God, but he accepted worship. He accepted worship. McCarty said at least on nine occasions in the New Testament, it records him allowing people to worship him. Unrebuked. In Matthew 14:33, the disciples worshipped him saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The blind man of John 9 said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. So friends, based upon the word of God, I freely and with joy confess to you that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I don't want you to let go. I want you to hold on. Listen, I know that you're struggling. I know that life has beat you up. I know that you, many of you have even quit dreaming that you have problems. But I'm asking you to not quit. Don't give up believing over the last several weeks, I, I've preached about baptism. We've, we've talked about communion. We've talked about the cross of Calvary. We've talked about the empty tomb at Easter. We've talked about His coming again. I want you to fall in love with this Jesus. I want you to confess His name. If you've never been immersed for your baptism, then, then call us. We will be thrilled and counted a privilege and an honor to baptize you into Jesus, but that's a decision you've got to make. That's not a decision that anyone can make for you, not a spouse, not a parent, not, not children, not even a preacher. That's your decision. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, give your life to him. Confess your sins in private prayer. Confess his name publicly today and forever. And call us, and we will baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you will begin a new life. Your sins will be washed away clean, and your name will be added to the Lamb's book of life. And when you die, or when He comes again, you will be ready. Not based upon any work or lack of one on your part but based upon the work that Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word, the testimony of the uh, credible eyewitnesses, the apostles, and those also, dear God, uh, the 500 that he appeared to after his resurrection. I pray today, dear God, that people give their lives to Jesus and find out this wonderful life that you've got waiting on them, that they'll give their life to you, the Father, give their life to Jesus, the Son, and embark upon a journey that is well worth the living. I pray blessings on those thinking such a decision and that they'll call soon. In Christ's name I pray, amen. God bless you.